Hey, thank you for listening to Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel Las Vegas. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are streamed. You can also visit PraiseChapelLasVegas.com and follow us on social media at PC Las Vegas to stay connected with PCLV. Thank you again for listening. Here comes today's message. That's right. That's right. Amen. How are you guys doing today? Someone say, I'm blessed. All right. So this should only take about two hours and 40 minutes. So uh, get settled in, get cozy with your neighbor, all the good jazz and whatnot. But amen. Uh, first off, I am blessed to have this opportunity to present the word for you guys here. And before we do anything on this platform, especially ministry of the Word of God, let, let's just go to the Lord and pray right now. Let's just ask God for be a part of our service today. So, Father, we come to you right now. We thank you for bringing us here this morning, Father God. We thank you for those who are here. We pray for those who weren't able to make it, Father God. But, Father, I just want to be a vessel, Father God. I want you to speak through me, Father God. So I just pray, Lord, as this time that we have right now, you open our ears, Father God. Let's hear the voice behind the voice, Father God. You minister through me, Father God. And let them see that what the word that you've been trying to give, Father, to our church at this time, this very moment, Father God. I just pray, Lord, you have your way with our service today, Father God. You have your way with this word, Father God. Anoint it, Father God. Just be with us here today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, man, it is a uh, fantastic new season here. How many of you guys enjoying the new weather that we have right now? The heat's finally gone. I mean, we got a little bit of 90s today, but hey, it's not 100 anymore. Californians look at us and they trip out like, what the heck? 90s good weather for you? It's like, heck yeah, we'll take 90 degree weather. 70s is even better. And so it is a brand new season here in Las Vegas. Uh, God's doing something tremendous, not only uh, uh, literally, but figuratively as well. Um, we just came off a great conference, the inaugural edition of The Well 2019. There was a tremendous move of God there. And uh, again, it's a new season. And so I'm starting to see things to shift. We have some new faces here. I'm excited here. I want to welcome our visitors here to PCLV. Uh, whatever way you came here, whether you were invited here, uh, maybe you were here through one of the programs. I know we have some people that come here through the, the home that uh, Brother Paul runs here. We have uh, some of the uh, other partnerships with uh, street teams uh, here. And so we're thankful for those partnerships here. We're thankful that uh, God brought you in here. Even if you feel like maybe I'm just here because someone told me to here. No, you're not here because someone told you. Uh, here in the literal sense, you're here because someone spiritually told you, and that's his name is Jesus Christ. Jesus brought you here for a very reason today. And so however you got here, I'm just glad that you guys are here. And so this morning, um, I do want to get into the Old Testament here. Um, there's a story here that I feel is very relevant to our lives here today, PCLV. And so um, if you just started coming here, maybe you've been here for a while, um, maybe this is your first time here, um, I want to bring a reminder of what our church stands for. Um, you can see it right there in the uh, breezeway, right under the PCLV lettering. Um, we are PCLV, and we believe in winning the lost, building through discipleship, serving in the local church, and sending out others to preach the gospel. And we do this by offering what? Anyone know? It's right above on our marquee. It's right in our flyers, too. It's one of the, even the T-shirts here. So this is, this is why I'm glad we're doing it today. We offer real faith for what? Real change. 
And so these are the fundamentals of our church. This is the reason why this isn't something catchy that I, we just put on a t-shirt because we thought it would look good. I know you can get all those cute little things on Hobby Lobby, all those decals you can decorate your bathroom with. But this is more than that. This is our way of living. This is the direction that our pastor has led our church with. And so, you know, it's something that sometimes we, we, not, we don't fully understand at times. I think we can honestly look at it and don't put a lot of significance into it. We don't put a lot of thought into it. But this is something that should drive us as believers, not only just to come here in the first place, uh, but to continue coming back, something that should drive us. We should all have something that drives us to get here today. We shouldn't just be relying on coffee here. We should be relying on Jesus Christ, on the very vision that the Lord has given our church. And so it's easy so to say amen right here, though, to that. I mean, we have a very uh, vociferous church. We have a very vocal church. And so I know you can say amen here, there, but it's different to say yes and amen. It's different to say not only amen right here and agree with me right here, but to say yes outside the service times that we have here. To say yes to a lifestyle of saying, you know what, I'm committed to winning laws. I'm committed to being a disciple. I'm committed to serving in my local church, and I'm believing that God can even use me to go out and preach the gospel. We're all part of it. That's the beautiful part of it. It's the Great Commission. You don't need to be up here. You don't need to be leading a Bible study. You don't need to be a, a, a Bible study. You don't need to be a teacher. We are all called to be part of this great commission. And so that's the beautiful part of it. We're all called to win the lost. And so let's go ahead and get into our text for today. We're going to be in the book of Nehemiah. It's a chapter 2, and verses 9 through 20. It's going to be right here on the screens. It's also on the Bible app, so if you guys haven't already, go ahead and pull out your phones. Go to the Bible app under events. Um, you'll be able to see those, take some notes for today. I didn't put too much on there for today's. Um, the focus really is just here. I'm not here to put up a whole PowerPoint presentation here. I just want to let God minister through me. So, Book of Nehemiah, chapter 2, verses 9 through 20, and it says right here, I'm reading now the English Standard Version. Uh, then I came to the governors of, of the province beyond the river, we're just talking about the river Euphrates, and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent with me officers of the army and horsemen. But when Sanbayat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite servant, heard this, it depleased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. So I went to Jerusalem and was there for three days. Then I arose in the night and I had a few men with me. And I told no one what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. There was no animal with me but the one on which I rode. I went out by night to the valley gate, to the dragon spring, and to the dun gate. And I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down and its gates had been destroyed by fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal that was under me to pass. Uh, verse 15 says, Then I went up into the, into the night by the valley and inspected the wall, and I turned back and entered the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, and I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and the rest who were to do the work. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins and with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem so that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And then they said, let us rise up and build. And so they strengthened their hands for the good work. But when Sambayat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant and Jeshem the Arab heard of it, 
They jeered at us and they despised us and said, what is this thing you're doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Then I replied to them, the God of heaven will make us prosper and we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. And so today I've entitled my message, Rebuild. Um, I don't know if any of you guys remember the last time I preached. It was uh, back in August. We were in the middle of a series called uh, the Be Still series. It's all centered around our theme for 2019, the theme that we have for this year, as we do every year. And so my last message was called Redirect. So this is kind of the sequel to that, Rebuild. Because um, the reason why I called it Redirect is because in order, when you're still in God's presence, you're allowing yourself to be redirected by Christ to go on onto the work that He has for you, go on to the will that He has for your lives. Instead of you going in circles over and over again, for the, like the Israelites did for the past 40 years when they were in the desert. And so, as we read here, though, in our text, Nehemiah came to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls and to that once stood tall and defend the city, and also to uh, build the Temple of Solomon. And so, get this picture here. Jerusalem is all in ruins. It's been in siege by the Babylonians, if you've read in the previous book of Ezra. And so... Jerusalem is just desolate right now. And so this kind of goes into the season that we're all right now. Church, we've all been tasked with an assignment. We've all been given a very duty here to build this church. We could so easily say, you know, well, God operates and does that, you know, and that's true. But we are the body of Christ as well. And so we are all tasked with this assignment here. Or we could also pass it off to even the leaders of that. You know, this could sound like a message towards leadership, but this is a message for us as a body of Christ. You know, this again, this is us fulfilling the Great Commission. This is us sharing the good news to those around us. We're all leaders in our own ways, even if we don't realize it. The reason why we're leaders is because we have influence with people. We have a circle of influence with friends, family that only we can talk to. I, there's some families I can go to that I'm not going to relate to the same way. You know, I grew up in a, a home that I'm fortunate with, but I'm not a cholo. I'm not. <laughs> I'm I'm fortunate in that case right there. Um, I'll I'll watch a I'll watch a, a a mafia movie here and there, but I'm not a cholo, you know. That's not the way that I raise, and I don't try to pretend that I am one. And so I have the circle of influence that I've been blessed to be around with, and as do you. But again, we're not just cholos here. We all have different walks of life right here. We all have different people that we can reach out to. Um, people where maybe you lived in a different part of the states. Uh, maybe you uh, speak a different language than we do, um, but in either way right here, or even in your schools, you know, that's, especially this next generation, you have a tremendous opportunity because, again, I'm not going to come to your school and minister. I'm not going to interrupt your classroom and start preaching to your friends. That's, that's on you guys because you guys are already there. You have an amazing opportunity to do so. So we all are put in unique positions of leadership, and we all have a circle of influence that we can minister to. And so that's really what Nehemiah is all about. It's a book of leadership. And so there's three things that we can really take away from this passage that show that how we can carry out this vision of win, build, serve, send. Someone say win. Someone say build. Someone say serve. And someone say send. These are the things that we really need to implant in our hearts. I'm not asking you to just write this pretty in your notebooks. I'm not just asking you to go out and make a t-shirt or wear a hat that says this. I want you to take this home and really drive this because... Here at PCLV, we're not a group of spectators here. As much as we have all these seats right here, these aren't just for spectating. These are just to sit for a moment, and then after service, we go out and do the work. We're all builders in this kingdom of God here. There's no room for sideline Christians in the, in the walk of Christ. 
We are all players in this game. And so as we look into this passage here, um, the first thing that you will notice here that we should be, Nehemiah was concerned. And so Nehemiah had heard about Jerusalem's condition and ruin. And again, it's been a ghost town for about 70 years. Um, Babylon had, Babylonians had taken over uh, Jerusalem. And so everyone pretty much was deported from that city. There was barely anyone there. They weren't even called citizens here. You know how we're called like the citizens of Las Vegas? We live in Las Vegas. They weren't even called citizens. They were called survivors. This, that gives you a pretty bad idea of how Jerusalem was. They were called, they weren't even called people there. They're called survivors. They're surviving in Jerusalem. And so the city was defenseless. All, again, all the walls had been torn down. They had no line of defense. So they lived in constant stress and tension. And so they were always in fear of the tax enemy. There was nothing valuable there because, again, since there's no protection there, it's going to get ransacked and taken easily. So they're living in hard times here. I'm sure we could always feel like pretty desolate when we're in the middle of summer here, 120 degrees. We feel like we're just surviving out here. But you see, God doesn't want us to live just on a day-to-day basis like the people in Jerusalem were at that time. They were just surviving, trying to get by, trying not to get robbed. Men were protecting their wives and children and hoping that, please, God, don't let someone come in and just murder my family. Don't let someone take what the little that I have right now. God doesn't want us to live that because sometimes we can live our faith walk. We can go through seasons in our lives where we're just trying to get by. We're just trying to make it through another day. Man, work is just piling up on me. Man, I'm just going through another health battle right now. Just enemies messing with my mind. I can't get, feel happy right now. I'm going through a season of depression right now. We can just feel like we're trying to get by day to day. But you see, God has called us to be more than just survivors here, church. God's called us to be conquerors. God's called us to to live in victory. God gives us the power to be empowered. And so you see, Nehemiah turned his ears to the sufferings of the people of Jerusalem there. You see, there was a previous effort that uh, to rebuild the walls in Jerusalem in the book of Ezra. But unfortunately, those efforts were in vain. But Nehemiah was a leader in this movement to rebuild it. Again, we may think that someone has to be placed in order to lead. Someone has to be you know, a position of power to lead. But it's us here, just us individuals here that can make a difference here. If we just simply allow God to use us. If we simply allow, stop and look and listen to those people. We have people and friends that tell us all the time what they're going through. We already have influence. We already have the position to do something with those around us. And so the second thing that Nehemiah did was he wept. You see, Nehemiah wept and his heart broke for the city of Jerusalem. God began to deal with Nehemiah about those in Jerusalem. And so as he was hearing about all the desolation of the beautiful city in Jerusalem just brought to rubble, it, it really broke his heart. It shook him to his very core. It just changed him radically. It stopped him from what he was doing. And so he didn't just feel sad for that moment. You know, he didn't just look at that thing, you know, like share that article on Facebook. Oh, man, that's so sad. I'm sorry that happened there. I'm sorry that's going on over there. You know, as much as it's, it's cool to promote advocacy, promote something going on, um, you know, sometimes it's just for that moment, really. But for Nehemiah, it wasn't just that moment. It consumed him. It took over every thought that he had. It shook him to his very core, and his life changed from that point on. So as soon as he heard about that, he began to fervently seek the Lord in prayer and fasting. Church, how many know that any great work of God begins with a great work in someone? You've heard the story of our pastor, the testimony that he's had. God did a tremendous work in my dad, and God did tremendous work of 10 years of alcoholism, 10 years of arrogance, you know, 10 years of different mentalities. God transformed him and did a great work in him before 
starting the work here in Las Vegas. And so the same thing, we can look at this. Nehemiah, again, he wept. His heart broke for the city of Jerusalem. Honestly, church, I want you to ask you a question to yourselves. And you can answer this in your heart and you think about this. When's the last time we had an intense prayer, a fervent prayer about the development of our church? When's the last time we really cared about the growth of our church? You see, I'm not speaking about getting more programs. Oh, I wish that we had a, a, a homeless ministry or I wish that we had a, a bigger youth ministry. Oh, I wish that we had this or we had that. I wish we had a bigger auditorium to seat more people in. Though all those things are great and all those things can aid in the process. I'm not knocking those things. But honestly, when's the last time you cared about the lost? When's the last time you cared about the win and win, build, serve, and send? There's a lot of empty seats right here. When's the last time you cared that these seats were empty? Especially on a Wednesday night. When's the last time you honestly, passionately cared and it hurt your heart to see that these seats were empty? You see, Nehemiah didn't just whine and complain about it. Nehemiah didn't just sit there and just be like, ah, oh, man, I wish these seats were empty. You know, it just breaks my heart, you know, and just go on and continue what he was doing in the kingdom, serving the king. Nehemiah fell on his face and he sought prayer. He immediately sought the Lord and he found relief and comfort in prayer. Um, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 says, But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You see, when we go through these things, we really need to be seeking God, not something else, not entertainment when our hearts are heavy or when we're going through something. You see, sometimes we can even see some of these things and feel like it's, it's too much for us to handle. We feel like there's, we're limited in what we can even do. And sometimes we even try to find solace. And, you know, like I said, you can sit down and start watching something on TV. You can start listening to some music. You could start taking a walk. We all have different ways of coping with our stress. We all have different ways of trying to figure things out. But I'm here to tell you guys, entertainment only diverts your attention. It only is a temporary distraction. But prayer sustains you. Prayer gives you strength. And prayer does something. Prayer moves the hand of God. And so, you see, prayer really was a crucial component of any great move of God, of this movement of God. You see, Nehemiah, when he started seeking the Lord and started falling on his place, he consistently prayed to the Lord. He fasted to the Lord and just prayed for the city of Jerusalem before he did even anything, before he started anything. He did this for four months. To give you a picture of it, Nehemiah prayed over the, the city of Jerusalem and what to do for four months. The actual rebuilding of the walls only took 52 days. That's a fraction of how long he was praying for God moved faster than that because he had a foundation of prayer established. Four months of prayer, uh, just seeking the Lord or asking for it. Just like this, again, why we're here. This was covered in the foundation of prayer. This wasn't just something that was just done with two weeks' time and they just got sent out. We covered this, uh, this uh, land here in prayer. There was a foundation of prayer. And so that's why prayer is an important part of our lives. Any great move that God's going to do here in the city of Las Vegas needs to be covered with a foundation of prayer. We need people that honestly, fervently care, are passionate about the development of this church. And again, we all are in this opportunity to do something about it. You may think so. You may think that you could do it later. But we need the individuals that are here now to do something. We need the people that are here now to share with others about who God's doing and what God's doing in their lives. And if you're not right now, I think I might see what's going on right here. There's a third thing here that Nehemiah was at this time that we also need to be in order for a move of God to continue to operate in our city. You see, Nehemiah was transparent. Uh, Nehemiah toured the city of Jerusalem for three days before starting the work on the walls. 
Um, during his tour of the of city of Jerusalem, he noticed the damage and despair and everything that was destroyed in the siege of Jerusalem. Um, some of you in history may remember the, the Trail of Tears. Uh, that was really kind of like a Trail of Tears for him. As he walked through the city, he saw all the ruin, the desolation. We saw the impoverished uh, surroundings that he was li- that people were living in. And Nehemiah was just pointing all these things out. He was making all these things evident. And, you know, honestly, some of us can look at that and feel like Nehemiah is just being critical. He's just tearing everything down. He's being negative. There's, you know, he's just, he's not seeing any positivity in it. But honestly, Nehemiah was being honest. He was taking an honest look at the situation and what God had, what God needed to do in the city of Jerusalem. And so in that same way, we honestly have to take a look at our surroundings in our lives. We have to look at, take an honest look at ourselves and expose the broken places in our lives. You see, if we can't even be honest about the condition that we're in, how can we let God operate that the way that he needs to do? Maybe you don't have positivity for that. Maybe you don't feel like you can do something for God and God can't use you to help in this building process because he hasn't done that in yourself yet. But let me ask, have you been transparent with God about what's going on in your lives? Some of us like to put up a front. It's not always the easiest thing to expose yourself to anyone, you know, let alone the Lord to share with someone, you know, God, I, I suffer from this. I'm dealing with this, you know, or sometimes I'm, God, as much as I don't want to admit this, I'm full of pride. Pride is one of the hardest things to admit because you don't think you have it. And so God already knows where your brokenness is. You don't even have to pretend that you don't have something wrong. God can see right through the thick, crusty hearts that we can have sometimes as Christians, as people. God can see that. He just needs us to admit it and open it so that way he can come in and operate. You know, the example that I like to use is that, you know, when someone's drowning and freaking out, you need them to calm down because if you're trying to rescue someone that's drowning and they're still flailing around, what are they going to do? They're going to drag you down with them. They're going to take you down. And so in order for that person to save you, you just got to release and let go. And so that's what we need to do sometimes as church. We need to expose ourselves. We need to release everything that we're holding on to, everything that we're bottling up, and just let it go. Give it all to God. You know, Sometimes we even share too much to people that don't need to speak into our lives, too. We're sharing to the wrong people. We're sharing to someone that's tearing us down. We're sharing to someone that's giving us the wrong advice. We're sharing with someone that's going to keep you in the same place that you're trying to get out of. I'm here to tell you you need to be sharing those problems with the one person. That's Jesus Christ. And so you see... In the midst of all this, Nehemiah goes to present this in verse 17. He goes to present this to the kings, the priests, the nobles, and everyone. And he says, you see the trouble that we're in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let's build, build up the wall of Jerusalem so that we may no longer suffer derision. And so as Nehemiah is presenting this, opposition came. Because how many know opposition always comes when you're trying to do something good? You always have, you know, the peanut gallery. You always have the haters trying to come in. You always have someone trying to speak negatively into your life. So Sambayat and Tobiah, two of the conservatives, claim that he was rebelling against the king. They're trying to stir up some trouble here. They're trying to make life difficult for Nehemiah. Because let me tell you, uh, for Nehemiah to share this um, in verse, in, uh, in earlier in chapter 2, Nehemiah's role was the wine bearer. And so he had a very trusted position uh, to the king. His job was to give a cup of wine to the king to make sure that it wasn't poison. He was basically looking out for the welfare of the king. And so the king had a lot of trust in Nehemiah. 
he had a lot of trust because anything, it was easy for Nehemiah to turn in to assassinate the king. He was in such a, a precarious position of being close to the king. And so even to try to share uh, what was on his heart to the king, the king could have easily gotten frustrated and said off with his head. When you were in front of a king, you weren't supposed to be sad. The idea was that if you're in front of a king, the king is so glorious that you're not supposed to you know, feel anything but happy. And so in this case right here, Nehemiah's pouring his heart, and it's only by the hand of God that the king's heart was moved. And so he's in a precarious position. And so you see Sambayat and Tobiah trying to stir things up and trying to shake down the very move, the very thing that God's put on Nehemiah's heart. But you see, Nehemiah goes into verse uh, 20. He says, the God of heaven will make us prosper, and we servants will arise and build. But you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. Nehemiah dismissed them. He just shut them down. He didn't even entertain them, given the time they're doing that. And sometimes the enemy tries to come in as our opposition. The enemy tries to come in and say, you know what? You're just not good enough. I'm sorry. You know, this is the best you're going to be here. You know, this is, take a good look. Learn to love it because this is good to get. God's not going to deliver you out of that situation. I'm sorry. You're, you're just too weak. God's not going to help you with that man, mind battle because you just you like it too much. God's not going to help you with that substance because you're just too hooked to it. The enemy tries to come in and give opposition. And sometimes we need to dismiss the enemy. We need to say, you have no right. You have no claim in my life. You have no authority over us. I have authority, and it comes through the power of Jesus Christ. We need to dismiss the enemy sometimes. We give the enemy too much place here. We let the enemy deliver his mail to our house. He has his magazines coming right now. He has a nice bed and everything. We make the enemy comfortable. We allow the enemy to stay here. But as Sister Elizabeth was saying, we need to give the enemy an eviction notice. We need to dismiss all the lies, the condescension from the enemy, and hold on to the very promises God has given us. God wants to do something great with each and every one of you. It's only when you allow yourselves to be exposed, look, shine light on the broken places in your lives. When you allow God to just say, God, just do your will with me. Just God, just use me. When you open yourself up to Christ, Christ can do anything with you. It's limitless what God can do with you. God can open any door that man tries to shut. God can provide resources when you see there's absolutely no way you can get a hold of them. God can make it happen as long as we open it up. And God can even move in it. It's not even just something of asking of servanthood. You know, but God can even move in your personal life and restore you in ways that you thought you couldn't get out of. God can get you out of a season of depression where you just feel like, man, no good days are coming. You see, Sambayat and Tobiah opposed Nehemiah all the way until the walls were rebuilt. So there was a constant heckling from those two in the, in the crowd, from the servants in the crowd. They were just trying to get Nehemiah in trouble. They were just trying to tear down the efforts that Nehemiah was trying to do. But at the end of the day, they got proven wrong. The walls were rebuilt. Jerusalem had a defense once again. The temple was built of Solomon. And so I'm here to tell you guys, this faith walk isn't going to be easy. Just like Sambayat and Tobiah continue to oppose Nehemiah all through the process, the enemy is going to be right there as well. I'm not here to present a, a fantasy or a fairy tale about how this faith walk is going to be. It's not always easy. There's always an opposition, from them, even from other people. Sometimes you can see others around you, they speak negatively about what God wants to do in your life. They, say, they could just say it's too much effort. You know? 
But again, we need to dismiss those very lies coming from the world. Because God is building a great work in each and every one of you guys. God's building a great work inside of us here. And at the end of the day, we're going to have the last laugh. Because God's going to do such an amazing work with you once you open yourselves up to it. And the enemy, anyone around you that oppose you, they're just going to be down below. You're going to be up here in the glory of the Father. Amen? So you see, the work starts with us here. That's really what it starts with. I want us to all be a part of this effort here. Because God wants to do an amazing thing in the city of Las Vegas. God wants to go beyond this city. Our pastor has a heart for hitting the four corners of the city, even beyond that. Let's not be limited to the city of Las Vegas. You may see this church on the corner in the corner, see the 60, 70 people that come here on a Sunday, you know, and think this is as good as it's going to get. Don't limit yourself. Don't limit what God can do. Who knows? You maybe came into here and you were what was needed to move us to the next level. God needs willing individuals. And so... Of course, we need to be here first what's going on with those around us. We need to look in our circle of influences first and foremost. We need to be concerned with others around us. Because in order for it to start, you need to influence those around you. You need to be concerned with those. We need to weep and be concerned for our city as well. We need to be passionate about what we're doing. We need to have a heart for the people. We need to have a heart for the vision of this church. We need to take this heart, this uh, this motto to life. It's not just a couple of words, it's a lifestyle. And we just need to be transparent as well. We need to be transparent with things that are going on in our church. We're not here to say our church is perfect. Sometimes there's things that need to be corrected. There's things that need to be changed. We open ourselves up to it. Maybe God wants to do something different in our church. We're not going to sit here and say our church is going to stay the exactly the same way it's been. The word's never going to change. But maybe sometimes, you know, God needs to put someone else in this position because God wants them in that season. Or maybe sometimes we need to let God work on us. There's some things that... We need to develop in ourselves before we can go and minister to someone else. Transparency starts with us. It's being open. Again, it's not easy to be open. It's not easy to share yourself. I've, I've talked to certain people before, and, you know, it's a very humbling experience. Um, I've come from a place where it was encouraged to share and be open about myself. That was something I grew up uh, believing in. And honestly, if you're not accustomed to doing so, I'm telling you, it, it's so much easier to, to let things go than to hold on to them. I'm not asking you to, to reach out to any specific individual. I'm not asking yourself, because God's going to bring that to you. God's going to bring that level of comfort to you. It's not easy to expose yourself to someone else. But I'm asking, if you just open yourself at the very least to Jesus Christ, God can do something miraculous in you. God can do something amazing and tremendous in your life. It all starts with him, and then God can just take over. It's going to close here today. But I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that God is just, we're on the cusp of something great here. God wants to do something great with our city. God wants to do something great inside of our lives here. And all it comes with is starting to be transparent, starting to be concerned with those around us, starting to be um, passionate. breaks our hearts for the good of us. God can really do something with the greatest for the truth. Amen. Let's all go ahead and bow our heads right now.
let's let's be respectful and sensitive to what that means.